episode 58 of the Shock Jock Next podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. I'm still down in my new bunkering hideout spot in Florida. Hope you guys are doing as well as you can be during what continues to be a difficult time, but it's a little less difficult now because sports are in full swing. The basketball is back. Major League Baseball is back. You got soccer on as well. Football's trying to come back on time. Also, college football is doing its best to do it the right way as well. There's stuff to talk about that just has to do with sports. And for that, we have one man, and really a lot of other people as well that work down in Orlando, but really on top of it all, one man on the top to thank. And that man is Adam Silver. We'll get to the NBA restart in the bubble and how it's going so far as well as the standings, and just talk some basketball in the second half of the show. I can't wait. I've been cursing up a storm inside my apartment down here in Florida in happiness. In happiness. I've been just so bleeping happy that we get to just talk basketball today in the second half of the show. Listen, first half of the show, we're going to be talking tips. We're going to be talking roster. We're going to be talking Nick's future with Tibbs in charge, and how certain players could get better. We might even talk a little draft. But in the second half of the show, we're just talking NBA basketball. And I can't tell you how mother bleeping happy I am that we're just talking hoops in the second half of the show. We're just talking game. We're just talking scores. We're just talking who won, who lost, standings, bubble. Let's do it in the second half of the show. I'm a little louder than I've been. Excuse me, the last couple of pop. By the way, I'm also sipping on soda. So I'm also it's a sugar rush thing as well. Let me take another sip. Mmm. Tastes delicious. I'm not gonna not gonna shout out the uh the soda sponsors. I'm just hopping around right now. I'm on sugar. I feel good. I'm gonna be down uh, probably at the end of the show. But I'm I'm louder because of that. But I'm also louder because I'm now settled in the hotel. I can be loud. I don't have to be you know, kind of muffle a little bit because I'm in the hotel or muffle a little bit because I'm not, uh, you know, I'm around people and things like that. I'm good. I'm settled. I'm ready to talk Knicks and NBA basketball. And I hope you guys are as well. I'm fired up. I'm ready to roll. Let's start with the Knicks. I'm still thrilled over Tom Thibodeau's being, uh, Tom Thibodeau's hiring. I'm excited about it. Again, cautiously optimistic in certain respects of it because of what uh, our franchise has done over the last two decades, but I'm very, very excited about the future. I was looking at the roster earlier today. A few under-the-radar moves, by the way, that were made to the Knicks roster uh, over, I think, just over the last couple of days, if memory serves. Jared Harper has been added to the roster. So has Theo Pinson. So a couple of guards. Theo Pinson could be a guard, I think, and a forward. He's more of a wing player. Uh, Jared Harper... Uh, by the way, and again, for you guys that have listened to the show for a long time, uh, know that I'm a big college basketball guy. I have my own college basketball podcast, and I also cover college hoops for multiple leagues. Um, so I, you know, and I'm only saying that just because I've got some background on a lot of these guys because I've either seen them in person, covered them, or followed them throughout their college career. Jared Harper had a really nice career at Auburn. And for those that kind of know the SEC and know Auburn, you know, Bruce Pearl has really turned around that Auburn basketball program 
over the last, uh, I guess it's up to, we're getting close to three, four, maybe even five years. I forget how long now Bruce Pearl's been the head coach at Auburn. Got them to a Final Four, and Jared Harper was a big reason why Bruce Pearl's success was so uh, relevant in college basketball. Why so many people were paying attention to Auburn over the last few years. He had a really strong career there under Bruce Pearl. He's, he's a really quick, agile guard, great ball handler, pretty good passer as well, and obviously can knock down jump shots that can knock down threes. He, he's a solid guard. He's a good option. I don't know. I, he, he feels like where he should be as far as his NBA development, kind of a fringe NBA guy going up and down between the G League and the NBA. It's a nice depth position, or sorry, a nice depth piece at the point guard position, potentially. I like it for the short term, and we'll see how it turns out. We'll see if the Knicks can get something out of him uh, going forward. Theo Pinson is a very interesting one. Theo Pinson, uh, for those that, again, for those that follow college basketball, you know who Theo Pinson is, national champion with Roy Williams' North Carolina Tar Heels on a really good Tar Heel team back in 2017 that uh, avenged the loss to Villanova at the buzzer beater uh, in, in, at the buzzer the year before in 2016. They pulled it off. They came all the way back, and they won the national championship over Gonzaga the next year, over a very good Gonzaga team, by the way, probably the best that Mark Few has had, and North Carolina beat them in the championship game to win a national championship. Theo Pinson's a big part of that team. Defensively, Theo Pinson is very strong. I think that's probably the best part of his game. Um, his communication on defense is fantastic. He's a leader. Um, I, I really like the intangibles he brings to this team. Very smart player. A guy that can really control things on both ends of the floor. Still working on his offensive game. I, I think it's not as versatile as I thought it was going to be at this point in his career. I, I When I first saw Theo Pinson in his early Carolina days, I thought he could be a really good NBA player. And he kind of leveled out a little bit in college, especially on the offensive end of the floor. I think defensively he got better every single year he was at North Carolina and was just a crucial part of that team, uh, not only in the locker room, but obviously on the floor, especially on the defensive end and just making smart plays on the offensive end as well. Basketball IQ, I think, with Theo Pinson is through the roof. So I, I really enjoy, I've enjoyed watching him play over the years. And I think, again, if he sticks around with the Knicks, I think he could be a really nice piece for Tom Thibodeau to have at his disposal as a depth player on the roster. I was looking around the rest of the roster. I, I Again, draft, we'll get to that. The, the roster clearly needs to be shuffled around. No question about it. This is a team that completely stumbled under David Fisdale, not only the, the season prior, but early in the season as well. Didn't do well enough, didn't develop. and Well, they developed, but didn't turn that development into enough wins to keep David Fisdale around. Not even close. Mike Miller comes in. It starts out great, kind of kind of peters out big time at the end. And we start getting closer to what we have with Fisdale at the end of his term as the Knicks head coach. So... Is that on the coach? Is it on the players? For me, a little bit of both, in my opinion. I think you can't put it all on one thing. But I like what Tibbs could possibly have to work with here at the start. Obviously, we know what the goal is long-term. The Knicks need to kick, kick butt and take names in the draft. And that's number one. Number two... The Knicks need to nail free agency, whether it's this offseason or the next offseason. Need to get in a star or two 
to really round out the roster. Tibbs, potentially, if all works out, could check both of those boxes off. And then we get to that, hopefully, that first goal, playoffs. So that's where I'm going to start today. We're at another Tibbs building block here at the start. Again, I like parts of the roster a lot. We've talked about this in the past. I like what we saw in R.J. Barrett. I like what we've seen with him on the offensive end of the floor. I think he's getting there defensively as well. He's a cornerstone of this franchise for the next five years. And I think he's only going to get better. You already know this. So I'm excited about what Tibbs could potentially do with R.J. Barrett. I think with Tibbs coming in, we're going to really find out what Kevin Knox is made of. I think we're, this is a make-or-break season upcoming for Kevin Knox. We are going to know right away if Kevin Knox is all-in or he's out. And I think Tibbs is going to make up his mind pretty early on Kevin Knox. I think he will know right away what he's got with him and what he, and if he if he can develop him to where he, we think he can be or if he's not going to be part of this franchise in, in probably two years' time and the Knicks will trade him. Something along those lines. I'm excited about that, to be honest with you, because I've been waiting for an answer on Kevin Knox for a while now and I feel like I can never pinpoint what, what I feel when I watch Kevin Knox play. I feel like we, he's a teaser. I feel like he's an NBA teaser. We get the glimpses of a great player. And then he fades too often. And then we don't see enough from him. Now part of that is the playing time, but the other part of that is his game. We, he doesn't get enough of the ball sometimes. That You can also, that's a little bit on, on him as well. Like he's kind of one-dimensional at times on the offensive end. He's not as aggressive as he, as, he, as he should be. We saw signs of that this year, of that getting better. But then it goes back to the playing time. So... There, is there something underneath there, or is Kevin Knox not good enough? Is it a combination? Is he is the coach not happy with him, or not doesn't think he can handle more minutes? I don't know. We didn't really find out. We didn't really find out a lot about Kevin Knox this year. We got a little bit, again, a tease, but not enough to really make a clear-cut decision. Tom Thibodeau is here to make that decision on Kevin Knox. I think we will find out relatively early in Tom Thibodeau's reign what we have in Kevin Knox or what he thinks we have in Kevin Knox. So I'm pretty excited to get that answer. I really am. Alfred Payton, I think could really shine under Tibbs. I really do. I think, again, I think the Knicks should take a guard 100%. Cole Anthony, LaMelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton, one of those three guys. But Alfred Payton, regardless, could be a really nice piece to keep on this roster. Again, made some mistakes, but it can be an assist machine, can put up big numbers offensively. I think he's a great piece to have regardless of what you do in the draft. I really believe that. So I'm excited to see what happens with him moving forward under Coach Thibodeau. I really think he he's a nice piece there in Alfred Payton. You guys know where I stand on Frank Nilakina. But what I'm going to say here kind of applies to Kevin Knox. For the Frank diehards out there that will not let it go, that will not, will not leave this man's side in a debate, that will fight to the end for the French prince, 
Tom Thibodeau is going to make up his mind pretty darn early on, Ke- on, on Kevin Knox and on Frank Nilakina. We're going to know pretty early on where Frank Nilakina stands with Tom Thibodeau. One thing that Tibbs is going to love is that defense. Frank Nilakina on his day is arguably the best defender on this team, one-on-one. But on an off day, he's one of the most useless players on the roster. So it's going to be interesting to see what Tibbs wants to do. Again, he's young. I get that. We've had this conversation. But we're going to know pretty early on what Tibbs thinks of Frank Nilakina. In my opinion, I think this is a big opportunity for Frank. This is huge. He can be a type of player that, that Thibodeau loves. But if he's not ready to take that next step, he's going to be on the bench and then probably let go or traded. So this is a big, again, Tom Thibodeau, a big name, is now the head coach. Big decisions have to be made. So I'm actually thrilled to see what Coach Thibodeau is going to do with Frank Nilakina. I'm very interested. I, I trust Thibs to make the right decision. I think Tom Thibodeau is ready to really, if he has to, overhaul parts of these this roster. No question. Especially considering what he might get in the draft. That could force him to have to overhaul if he gets some three really good players, or even two really good players, like we're hoping he can. I'm very excited to see what happens with that. Front court, Mitchell Robinson. I think I think Tom Thibodeau is a perfect coach for Mitchell Robinson. I think it's a match made in heaven. I think it's up to Mitchell Robinson if he's ready to take that next step. We thought this was going to be a big year for Mitchell Robinson. And he kind of let us down a little bit. It was, it was an up and down year for Mitchell Robinson, I think. I think that's kind of the post-mortem on his 2019-2020 NBA season. Glimpses again of what he did the season before, but didn't really take the strides offensively we thought he was going to take and got a little in, in a little bit of trouble with, with stuff, you know, a little, little crap on the court that he really shouldn't be doing, getting into fights, arguments, physical altercations. Nothing crazy. Again, that sounds a little bit worse than it is. But again, not, not as disciplined as I thought he was going to be in, 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 this, in this past season. I'm expecting big things from Mitchell Robinson next season. And I think Coach Thibodeau can get him to that next step. I'm really excited about that. That's honestly all the players on this roster at the moment. Mitchell Robinson and Tom Thibodeau. That match to me feels so right. It feels great. It's like you're on Match.com, right? Let me take a sip here. Get more caffeine in my veins. You take a little survey. What do I want in, in, a, in a coach? You know, what do I... It's, it's, it's... You're checking off all the boxes here. Tibbs is looking for a player. Mitchell Robinson's looking for a coach. You know, I want somebody that's defensive-oriented. Someone that can develop my defensive game. But it's gonna it's gonna push me. It's gonna push me to play more. It's gonna push me to be more aggressive. Tibbs, you know, I want a player that's physically gifted. I want some length. I want some athleticism. I want some defensive intensity. I want a little grit. I want a little fire. And I want some raw ability. Oh, 
Boom. Ding, ding, match. Or boom. Swipe right. Yes, please. On Mitchell Robinson and Tom Thibodeau. Might have to come up with a little little couple name for them if, they, if things work out. Let me see. We'll get back to you. I'll get back to you on that one. I'll get back to you on that one. Oh, my goodness. I think that could be really good. I really do. Mitchell Robinson and Tom Thibodeau together could be a match made in heaven. Julius Randle. Many of you have fallen off the Julius Randle bandwagon since the season has started. I think a lot of people were skeptical like me at the beginning of the signing. Um, It was obviously the backup option for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. It felt that way. Uh, And if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, yeah, it's Julius Randle and it's a duck. So it, it kind of felt like, again, he had some great games he had some poor moments, no question about it. It was it, I wouldn't say up and down. It was mostly ups for Julius Randle. He's a great player. I think he could be on this team long term. I've said that before. I think he could be a good option on this team. But the problem is he's going to have to buy into a different role. It's not going to be the Julius Randle show under Tom Thibodeau if things go right. It's not going to be that way. Can he buy into a secondary role and still give you maybe 15 points a game, taking less shots, being more efficient, making better decisions on the offensive end, passing the ball a little bit better would be nice as well, and that's putting it lightly on the offensive end of the floor, and then bringing more defensive intensity as as always. So I'm excited and a little cautiously optimistic about Randall's role on the team going forward. It might not be what he wants. But then, again, Tom Thibodeau's got to make a decision. So that's, that's one going forward to keep an eye on because I'm not sure how that's going to work out. He could buy in and say, you know what? I'm going to be part of this. I'm ready to go. I want to win. I want to make this team better. I want to be on this team when they get to the promised land. Or he wants the same minutes he's got now. He wants the same, you know, same minutes, same amount of shots, same, you know, blah, blah, blah. He wants, he wants the ball then you know what? This probably won't be the team for him if he wants to win. He's not going to be the guy on a team that goes to the playoffs. Just not how it works in today's NBA. Then there's a couple of, of, of fringe guys, the question marks. Mo Harkless, just traded for him. Bobby Portis, Mr. Jekyll and Hyde himself, and a man that just had a really rough year. A guy that just... He, oof, he's in New, he's in New York at a tough time in his life, as far as basketball wise, uh, in New York. Rough year for Dennis Smith Jr. I feel, I, and I've said this before. I've tried to give him as much of the benefit of the doubt as I can, emotionally with off the court stuff. Can't have much a, a much of a worse year than Dennis Smith Jr. has had as an NBA player. It's been really rough. I feel you know injuries. Death of a family member. He's been away from the team for multiple reasons throughout the year. And when he's been on the court, it just hasn't been the same guy. Um, Tibbs is going to have to make a decision, obviously. I, I don't know what the future holds for Dennis Smith Jr. I hope he's able to figure it out. I hope the future for him is bright. But I really couldn't tell you at this point in time. I'm not sure. He's uh, he's He is a wild card I obviously will see a little bit more from Mo Harkless. Bobby Portis, I think, 
Many have called for him to be released. I can't argue with that. I, I you know I, I've been trying to come up with an argument for that just to play devil's advocate because I like I like debating with you guys, but I kind of come back to the same conclusion. I don't see his future in New York. I don't. I really don't. It's better for the team if he leaves. I think, just not enough. I, I think is kind of how I would put Bobby Portis's time with the Knicks. I just don't think he gave the Knicks enough where you would say. He's a part of our team long-term. He's a long-term option for us. I think they brought him in to see how he would do for one year. If he did what Marcus Morris did, they'd trade him. If he And if they couldn't trade him, they'd keep him. And, and he hasn't done enough to even really garner much attention. So I think they will probably either let him go before the season or at some point during the season uh, get rid of him. So I, I don't think that the long-term stakes for Bobby Portis in New York look all that good. So... We'll see. But again, it comes back to this. A lot to work with for Tibbs. I think he's excited about what he can work with and then more excited, I'm sure, about what he can add to this roster. So I'm excited about that as well. We'll take a break here when we come back. Oh boy, we're talking NBA basketball in the bubble on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. That's right, folks. We're back. Second half of the show. We're just talking some good old-fashioned NBA basketball in the bubble in Orlando. Giving you an update on what's going on down there. I've been watching as many games as I can. uh, Taking it all in. Excited about some of the performances. I've been seeing some crazy results uh, so far as well. Um, Let's start in the the East. I, I think for me, you know, the Bucks have been a little up and down. No question about that, obviously. It's been a bit of a tough start back in the bubble for the Bucks on the court. To be fair, again, seedings don't matter nearly as much as they normally do. The Bucks are two wins away, I believe, from clinching the number one seed. So that's the good news. So they're going to get one of those teams at the bottom that is fighting for that eight spot. They're going to get either the Magic or the Nets or the Wizards. That's what it looks like right now. Although, to be fair... It's not looking too good for the Wiz kids right now. <laughs> I have to say, Wizards are not looking too hot right now. Probably going to be the Magic or the Nets for the Bucks in the first round. Although the Bucks just lost to the Nets, so maybe they want the Magic. Who knows? It's the bubble. We don't know. So that's the good news. The bad news is the Bucks again, besides Giannis, I think Giannis only played 16 minutes the other night in the loss to the Nets. I don't know if they're. I don't know what they're saving him for. Maybe I. I don't know. That that strategy is a little off for me. I'm not sure. He's had. He's had time. You know, to while he stayed in shape to kind of get some rest and stuff like that. I, I don't know. So, that's a little puzzling. A little bit of the strategy going on around uh, Milwaukee, but the play on the court's been a little bit more puzzling. They look a little out of sync, especially on the defensive end of the floor, and that's normally where the Bucks in the past have been. Make or break. Offensively, you're normally going to get a really strong game out of them. It's whether or not they can get enough stops on the defensive end that puts them in that championship category. So far in in in, in the uh, bubble, inconsistent. So I, I think they'll come around. they got enough games left. They have five or six games left to kind of try to figure it out. So far, a little Jekyll and Hyde uh, from the Bucks. The Raptors just keep on winning. Count the count those stuff before the bubble for the Raptors, before the shutdown. The Raptors have won seven in a row, counting the bubble. 
Seven in a row. That's the best mark in the NBA. Longest winning streak currently in the NBA belongs to the Toronto Raptors. They look fantastic. I, they, they've come out guns a-blazing in the bubble. Kyle Lowry's been fantastic. I like so far what I've seen out of Pascal Siakam. He's got to continue to get back on track, I think, as well. I think overall he's had a really good season. The defending champs look up for the fight so far. I mean, I love that. They don't want to just give away the championship belt in Orlando. I feel like it's WWE coming out of my mouth right now. It's all good. I'm excited to see Toronto defend the title. Can they do it? I'm excited to see what happens with that. On top of that, and I'm pausing here because I, I there's two stories I can do, I can go to next. The Celtics have been a little bit uneasy so far. I, 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 Jalen Brown's been fantastic. I think that's been a big positive. Jason Tatum's been a little up and down so far. So is Gordon Hayward. Um, defensively, I think Brad Stevens wants a little bit more there from Boston. They've almost blown a couple of huge leads so far in the bubble. So that's been a bit of a concern for the Celtics. They looked pretty good last night. So I think that you kind of give them a pass for that. But against the better teams, the Celtics have had a little bit of trouble. Uh, Almost blew a big lead to Portland. And again, had a little bit of trouble with Miami the other night without Jimmy Butler. And they lost to the Heat after being up at one point. So some work for the Celtics to kind of get back on track with. I'm a little, little interested to see what happens with them. Because they could have been a team in the bubble that maybe made up a little bit of ground on the Raptors. Now the Raptors have kind of been keeping them at arm's length. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. But the Raptors right now look set for the two seed. If not, maybe a, a shock vault up to the one seed. Again, it won't matter too much besides for matchups. But the Raptors look great. Celtics are kind of trying to get into form. Again, no Jimmy Butler for Miami the other night, but they win. And so far, again, the young guys have kind of been picking up, picking back up where they left off. I love what I've seen out of Bam Adebayo. Tyler Hero off the bench has been great. Duncan Robinson keeps knocking down threes at a, at a, at a huge number. And I got to tell you, we're starting to see a little bit better things from Kendrick Nunn. I think he's getting back on track. He's, he's kind of getting his legs back, it feels like, underneath him. But I like what we've seen out of Miami. Miami feels like a big threat. They really do. With Jimmy Butler in that lineup, they could do some things. They beat the Celtics without him. So I, they could be a dangerous team in this bubble. They could be a team we might be seeing in the Eastern Conference Finals if things kind of shift their way in the playoffs. So let's let's see how they do the rest of the of the eight-game stretch here. But I like, so far, so good uh, for uh, the team in the state I'm currently located. I can see Miami uh, from my apartment. So I, I'm, sh- I'm shouting out to the Miami Heat. You're doing well so far. Okay, the Pacers. Pacers have won three in a row. They're flying under the radar again. I was I was wrong on them again. Why do I keep doing this? I keep doubting Indiana. And they keep shutting me up. The Pacers look fine. The Pacers look ready for the fight. The Pacers could catch the heat, by the way. And move up in the standings. They could even catch the Celtics. They're only three games back of Boston. For that three spot where they could get a pretty good matchup. I'm excited, man. I'm excited what Indiana is bringing to the table from a neutral perspective. I like it. Oh, boy. Here's where we get a little off the rails in the East. What in God's name is going on with the Philadelphia 76ers? Holy smokes. They look like the same team. 
They look like exactly the same team that we saw at the end of the lockdown, just before the lockdown came. Sixers look like the same team that can't hold on to a lead, can't defend late, and just are handing games away in the fourth quarter almost. The Sixers so far in the bubble. I think this has been the story so far. The Sixers so far in the bubble have been the best team in the bubble almost for three for, for the for six quarters, the first three quarters of two games. And they've looked like the worst team in the bubble for two fourth quarters. Wildly inconsistent from arguably the most talented team in the bubble. It's insane. It's absolutely insane how they just can't figure this out. The Sixers are in big trouble. They've won two in a row, but do not be fooled. The 76ers do not look like a team right now that's going to challenge for anything in the NBA playoffs. The most most frustrating thing if I'm a Sixers fan, you can move up! You can move up in the standings to avoid a couple of big matchups here. Listen, the, the lowest they can finish is six, which is where they're at right now. But they're one game back of fifth, two back of fourth, and three back of third. You can move out of it and maybe play a team that you got a chance against. Right now, they play the Celtics. I would take the Celtics right now. But if you move up, you might get the Pacers, a team that I think they could beat with their talent. So I, I, it's frustrating, very frustrating for a team that really has been given a second chance here to save their season. And so far, it looks like it's going the same way it went before the bubble. Brooklyn. Very Jekyll and Hyde. Very, very Jekyll and Hyde from the Brooklyn Nets. One game, the season's over. The next game, hey, hold on a minute here. Brooklyn, hey, I don't know. Maybe Brooklyn figures this out. Maybe they're the team to watch moving forward. Listen, here's the deal. They look terrible at times against Orlando. Then they beat the Wizards. They beat the Bucks. And you're thinking, whoa, what the heck happened to the Nets? Break up the Nets. And then they get absolutely blasted by Boston. Absolutely destroyed by the Celtics. Big game tomorrow, as the podcast goes out, they play the Kings. Must win game for Brooklyn. They've got to win it. Got to have it. Absolutely have to win that game. Considering that Orlando is only a half game back and you're trying to avoid, hopefully, Milwaukee. Oh boy. The the Nets have got to put it back in gear here. Big, big chance at a bounce back win for them. They got to take it. The Wizards, actually, let's let's not dodge over the bubble hosts, if you will, the Orlando Magic. Bit of an up and down thing for them as well. Again, they beat the Nets. They beat the Kings by 16. You're thinking, all right, Orlando's up for it. They're ready. A little bit of a lackadaisical performance against the Pacers. And they sort of hung around against the Raptors and the Raptors showed them who was boss. Big game against the, the Sixers tomorrow when the podcast goes out on Friday. I'll be tuned in. Two teams I'm very interested to see how they play. It's on TNT. You get a little inside, get a little NBA, good doubleheader. I'm excited. You should watch as well. I think it's going to be very interesting. Look, Orlando looks up for the fight, but they have not shown that over the last couple of games as far as their finishing. 
So I, I'm curious to see how, how the Sixers handle them. I, that game could be very interesting in the East. No question about that. The Wizards, I feel bad for the Wizards. The Wizards kind of never had a chance coming into the bubble. I kind of hyped them up at one point as potentially having a chance. They got they had a tough schedule coming out of the break. Whether we knew it at the time or not is one thing, but the Suns kind of kind of kicked them apart. The Suns have been great, by the way. We'll get to them in a second. They kind of got kicked apart by the Suns. They lost a tight game against Brooklyn. They lost a really tight game against Indiana. And then the Sixers kind of pulled away late to beat them. So, or I I should say the Sixers kind of held on uh, in the fourth uh, to beat them. So, the Wizards all of a sudden are 0 for 4 in the bubble. And they need to be probably 3 and 1 through those first four to have any shot of making the playoffs. And for right now, it comes down to this. One big thing for the Washington Wizards. That's pretty clear as day for them. At the moment, it comes down to their defense. Again, Rui Hachimura has been a little up and down. I get that. Obviously, when you look at the roster, there's no Bradley Beal. We knew that was going to happen pretty late on going into the bubble. Rui Hachimura, Brown Jr., Thomas Bryant, and Ish Smith, not going to be enough to make up the games. The bench, Wagner, Napier, Schofield, Robinson, giving you something, not enough really to make up for it. And then, again, it's a deep bench for the, for the Wizards, but it's a lot of guys that are not making an impact in the NBA at the moment. They're 0 for 4. They're probably going to be 0 for 6, something like that. I, I don't see the Wizards really winning again in the bubble. Or I should say winning it all in the bubble. I could easily see them losing to the Pelicans. And I could easily see them losing out. So I feel bad for the Wizards. I kind of gave them a little bit of a chance going into the bubble. But then losing Beal. And with what they have left. They kind of didn't stand much of a chance. And and it's kind of played out that way. In the bubble. Quick look at the West. There's a ton of stories. In the West. And we'll wrap up with that. The Lakers kind of limped their way to the to first place. They got absolutely pounded by the Thunder. Uh, I think it was last night. I was shocked when I saw that. Didn't get a chance to see the game. Shocked when I saw that score. Let me take another sip of soda. Mm, for the home stretch. Lakers are still the one seed, though. They clinched the one seed. To be honest, I've been concerned with the Clippers. I, I Again... They're kind of getting everybody back in, back on side, getting everybody back in shape, that kind of a thing. I don't love what I've seen from them so far, but I still have faith that they will figure it out once we get to the playoffs. So far, so good for the Denver Nuggets. I got to ask this though. Raise your hand if you've watched a Denver Nuggets bubble game so far. I can't raise my hand, but I've watched the highlights. They've looked good. This looks like the Denver team we thought could maybe get to a Western Conference Finals last year. They're starting to pick it back up. I think it's been a bit up and down for the Jazz, but overall, good. Same with the Thunder. We're seeing good signs from Chris Paul's OKC Thunder. They could make an impact. Houston. All right, it's not the Sixers. The Sixers are in a different category. But I've been a little bit disappointed with Houston. 
listen, you're seeing the signs that this uh, system is going to give them their best chance to win. You can see why they went to this small system with their personnel on the floor. I get it. It's working to a certain extent. But Portland, oh my God, Portland manhandled them the other night inside. It was, it was, again, we knew it was coming. I can't, you know, I can't act shocked here. But wow. If they had, if the, if the, if the Rockets still had Clint Capella, they would win that game. No questions asked. No questions asked. They'd win that game. Not even keeping one center on the roster that's good enough to play in a big game like that. I think it's going to hurt the Rockets in the playoffs. I think they're going to get a bad matchup. I think they're going to get a bad matchup. I think they're going to get knocked out. I really do. I think at some point, this strategy is not going to work in a big, big way. Dallas. I'm a little disappointed in Dallas. That They're not coming out with the fire. I, I, I thought they... Not the fire. I thought they'd be in better shape right now. I really did. I, I kind of... I, I, I don't know. I was expecting them to be a team that maybe was a big mover and shaker in the standings. They've kind of been up and down. You know what I mean? I mean, again, listen. They beat the Nuggets. They lost a really, really tight game against the Rockets. They lost an even tighter game against the Suns. But they picked up a huge, close, tight win against the Kings. We're going to know, and you'll know the score by the time this podcast goes out. Tonight, Clippers, Mavericks. Big game for both teams to get back on track. Very excited to see who comes out on top. Probably going to be the Clippers, their better team. But I'd love to see Dallas maybe pull off a shocker and get back into this thing, man. I want to see them make a little bit of noise. In the bubble. So far, it's been a bit of a a mediocrity show from the Dallas Mavericks. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. The rest of the standings. Good news for the Mavericks, though, by the way. They're in. They've already won enough games. I think they only had to win two. They've won the two games they needed. They're in the playoffs. Good for them. They were going to make it anyway, but good for them. They're in. Memphis, on the other hand, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It is wide open now. Memphis has lost five in a row going back to pre-bubble. And they have looked like a, uh, maybe not a shell, but they're just not finishing games off strong enough here. Lost to the Blazers by five. Lost to the Spurs by two. Lost to the Pelicans by 10. And lost to the Jazz by nine. The Memphis Grizzlies are not closing games out strong. Fourth quarters have not been good enough. People are questioning the mindset of this Memphis Grizzlies team, especially late in games, and I don't blame them. This is not a Memphis team that we expected to see in the bubble. They're not putting games away. And now they're only one game ahead of the Portland Trailblazers, who, by the way, have looked good at times, but they've had a tough time of it. It's not been an easy schedule for Portland coming back into the bubble. Listen, they beat the Grizz, lost a really tight game against the Celtics, and then beat the Rockets. And by the way, they've got the Nuggets next to run fire. So Memphis, again, is lucky they're still where, they are, where they're at right now. Portland's had a really tough schedule. 
the Spurs have been the Spurs. Won, won a few, lost a few. You know, they've kind of been all over the place. You know, not tough, tough to read them. But they're still in it. They're two games back. Pelicans picked up a big win the other night. They're two games back as well. They're actually losing as we speak um, in the bubble. Let me take a look at who they're playing. I saw that score earlier, but didn't get a chance to tune. I think they might be losing to Sacramento. Yeah, Sacramento's up by 14 going into the fourth. That'd be a big win for the Kings, by the way, who are three games back and would actually uh, be tied with the Pelicans if that score holds. So that'd be a huge win for Luke Walton's Sacramento Kings if they pull it off. Let's end with the team of the bubble so far. The team that everyone's talking about in the West that could still make a lot of noise if they keep playing the way they are playing. And it is Arizona Zone Phoenix Suns. What the heck has gotten into the Phoenix Suns over the last couple of weeks? I don't know if you can hear it. The sirens are going off in the background. Everyone wants to know about the Phoenix Suns. Well, let me tell you, Devin Booker is a player. Holy smokes. Devin Booker has been on fire in the bubble. He's been off the charts good. By the way, again, Phoenix loses to Portland, and now they've won three in a row. Beat the Mavs, I'm sorry, beat the Wizards, then beat the Mavs, then beat the Clippers. By the way, they beat the Mavs and the Clippers exactly the same scoreline, 117 to 115. Booker, 27 points against the Wizards to get the win. 30 points against the Mavs. Got the win. And then against the Clippers. 35 points. And he hits the game-winning shot at the buzzer to knock off one of the favorites to win the title. Wow. What a bubble so far for Devin Booker. Another fantastic Kentucky product under John Calipari. Holy smokes, this kid is off the charts good. And I got to tell you, Phoenix is very much alive for the NBA playoffs. And if I'm LA, the Lakers that is, there are two teams right now at the bottom in that eight spot that I would not want to play if they get there. And that is the Portland Trailblazers and the Phoenix Suns. Holy smokes, I would not want any part of them in the first round. Memphis, sure. Yes, please. I would sign up for that right now. Yes, Memphis. Yep, yep. I'll take them. Yep, yep, yep. Please, yep. Put them down. Yep. Mark it. Book it. Spurs. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yes, please. I, I love to. LeBron, I'd love to catch up with Pop. Yes. Yes, please. I'll, I'll pay for them to stay. I'll pay for their. I'll, I'll cover it. Whatever they want, I'll, I'll get it for them. New Orleans. Zion. Sure. I'll shut down Zion. Yes. Please. Four game sweep. Yes, please. Sacramento. Luke Walton, love him. Yeah, never want him to leave. Yes, please, keep him. Bring him in. Yes, eight seed. Yeah, bring him up. But if it's the Suns, Portland, oh boy, that's not going to be easy. Not going to be easy for the LA Lakers if you've got to deal with Dame Dollar and CJ McCollum or Devin Booker and them boys. Oof, tough task potentially there for LeBron and the Lakers. I could talk about it for days. I'm just excited the NBA bubble is back. It's going really well. I'm excited to be talking to you guys still during the pandemic, during the crazy stuff going on right now. I know a lot of people are listening from the tri-state area where the hurricane just hit. Some people still have power outages. Hope you guys are doing okay. Hope you guys can still listen to the podcast. If you do, 
Thank you guys so much. Hopefully I can give you some time to maybe get away from some of that stuff and just think about some NBA basketball for a little bit. In general, thank you guys as always for listening to the podcast. Hope you guys are doing as well as you can be during this difficult time. Enjoy the rest of your week. Next week, we'll be back after it with more Knicks talks and more NBA talk as we get inside the bubble as as well. One last tip of the cap to the NBA. Still zero positive tests for coronavirus in the Orlando bubble. Great, great job by the NBA. I am going to get out of here. I'm going to go watch some more NBA hoops, and I will see you guys next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.